0: Hours. Y'all, we are coming back to live and in charge. It's June 14th of 2020. We're in LA, you know, in all different parts of LA. I'm your girl, Daisy O, always ready for the show. And I'm joined by um, a lovely guest and my two siblings, um, Debbie Dev. Debbie Dev, here in the building. Darren, Darren. Hey, y'all. <laughs> and Dr. Maisha Beasley. Hey, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you guys, this is Oliver Happy Hour. We're, we're back again for another week of great conversation. I wanted to start with the In Vogue classic because they're one of my favorite girl groups uh, Free Yo Mind. They wrote about prejudice and overcoming oppression. Way back in the day, and I just that song has been playing in my head along with Kirk Franklin Revolution the whole week. <laughs> so, I just to start off. Mm-hmm. Um, but Doctor B, tell us a little bit about yourself and um, why you want to join us today, and your background and how we know each other.
1: Oh. Okay, cool. So hello, everyone. Um, Myesha Beasley, Dr. Myesha Beasley. I still have to get used to saying that even though I've been a doctor for a minute now. Still is uh, a little weird for me. Uh, I am from the Bay Area. So I say the Bay Area because the Bay Area in total raised me and I'll get to that a little bit later about my um, upbringing in the Bay Area. But A little bit of my background, I come from a very large family. My mom has uh, 11 brothers and sisters. I have 43 first cousins, um, which is huge. That's huge.
2: (laughs) It's
1: huge. Uh, And uh, my dad is an only child, so I have a very, you know, it's interesting to see two different, very different uh, sides of a Black family. I was raised in the 70s and 80s. And so I'm a 70s baby, Uh, went to school in San Diego, got my master's at University of the Pacific, uh, took some time off just to work, and then got my doctorate, because I hate to be told no. Um, So I got my doctorate at University of San Francisco, which is very interesting, because that's where my grandmother thought we would all go to undergrad at. So to get my terminal degree from the place that my grandmother thought we could only get a BA from was a dope experience. My whole When I say whole, I mean a third of my family (laughs) was at my dissertation defense, uh, including uh, some uh, very interesting characters in my family. So um, I have uh, a wealth of experience working with Black girls, Black women in the collegiate experience. And so I'm excited to be here and talk to you about that. How I know Daisy, as I worked at UCLA for... almost five years. I almost got vested. Five weeks away from getting vested. Um, But I met Daisy there uh, because most of my career has been spent in higher ed, uh, working orientation, parent programs, new student programs, multicultural programs. And Daisy and I ran across each other through mutual colleagues, became fast friends, and now I consider her one of my sisters. So that's how I know Daisy. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for having me in this space. I've been listening you know in preparation but i've known about the oliver happy hour since its conception so this is very exciting <laughs> thank you so much for joining
3: i mean i feel like we're honored to have uh, a new champ and hopefully, we, right. can,
2: hopefully we can you a good
3: experience and <laughs> you know and and you know we can welcome you back again but uh you know i'm just so happy that you know we we're able to have uh, you as a guest today
2: thank you
0: yes yeah, so and you guys will get to know dr b Um, a little bit more as we continue to talk. But I just wanted to say you are my sister too. Thank you for being a great mentor and a friend and for just about saving me while I was at UCLA and being one of my most trusted confidants um, there and even
1: past there. So it's just the joy to have you today. So thank you for joining. I told you I appreciate you so much. And I will tell you every day until we uh part ways when we part this life, you're a jewel. Thank you. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> thank you. Well, we are at episode one hundred and two today. And uh we have not covered our new music for the past couple of weeks, but as we all know, music is healing. It's one of the healing arts that I do believe for um, for many people if not all uh, That it's definitely Come at a time where we need it The most and um, We just want to cover some new music that's come out uh, Revisit one of our Topics every week So Darren lead us off with some new music What we got this week Hopped in the car you started rolling This
3: is called Jaden Trying to pin
0: my poison like pills and potions
3: Like Cash Page
0: I'm gigs, fuck fucking you already know it hey
3: how much hide my smile you around,
0: it's showing, oh it's showing You better fuck it any you know it, babe All about the cash money, let's go spend it, babe You said that fast money, I got a triple, babe I got a triple, babe, she bugs me every day Hit me off a doja, and we
4: be back Tired of all the games you play I cannot fuck with lame Do you want attention or do you want more um, Are you ready for commitment do ooh, you still she was it when she said commitment I'm What do you guys say? <laughs> so you <can> <laughs> think? Great What do you guys think? She's close Cash page, I
3: know you guys probably haven't heard from her I like
4: how she
3: spells her name Cash Yes, yeah,
4: K-A-A-G K-A-A
3: aim to aim Like that. Yeah,
4: yeah. Definitely check it. Out. So the other
3: one that uh, uh, that I wanted to highlight was uh, Run the Dool's Master. Economics Cause cause you run the from right. Master this one's called Just yeah, featuring Pharrell. Right. You know Killer Mike is, is the part of You can instigate a follow Shit. Look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar. Look at it. Yeah. Look at all. These masters posing on your dollar Look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar Look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar Look at all
2: these slaves, masters, 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 masters. Hey, I'm on my
3: eye. Yeah, so, so, <laughs> you guys know about running jewels It's straight up political, right? I'ma play you guys the other list
2: Here come the medicine, so sobriety, this. like what,
3: what? Super thug is dumping run, on the cut. Run, run, run. Run. My motherfucking Uzi weighs a ton. Hit the drum till you hear it go but i'm bum bum Run, run. Piety just really isn't us. What a rush. See you cutting well, up What do pie? you guys think? If you guys heard of running really your mouth with more pianos? No. I've never heard of it. You've never heard of it? You've
1: never it? I'm old, Kenny. I still am listening to spotify playlist, with like <laughs> who am i listening to right now kitty latimore oh,
3: yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right yeah, yeah you know that's all right that is all right <laughs> but i i mean i'm a hip-hop head don't get it twisted but it's old school i can't you're inspiring me to come back in you're me to come back <laughs> <Okay>. definitely <laughs> check out run exactly. the jewels
3: so that i'm, okay, I'm sure that's have you cool. heard about Killer mike
1: I I do know about Killer Mike. I'm not at all, but I, you know, I just am not, it's not a regular role. Yeah,
3: so I mean, definitely people know about Killer Mike because he's out there politically. Somebody check out his Netflix show, amazing. You know, guy who always educates about black uh, black business ownership, somebody who invests himself in the Atlanta community. Uh, I think two weeks ago, he came out and made some poignant points. He was at a news conference. You know, but he talked about, you know, about collecting and organizing and strategizing. You know? Uh, um, so yeah, definitely check him out. Uh, um, you know, it's a new album from, from them. So um, what I'm going to play next is from Georgia Smith. This one's called Rose. Rose Rouge. It's off of a Blue Note Re, Blue Note Reimagined album. You know, some jazz inspired tracks.
2: You're
3: not really saying anything, this is cool Actual record company and the jazz club was right around the corner from, from you know my school right there on oh, West yeah. the Street yeah you know oh, yeah. I went to New York University
2: yeah you know you worked for um uh, for Wagner
3: at School oh you did Yeah. oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah.
2: that's
3: what's up to well, we gotta talk about that. Uh-oh. <laughs> But yeah, so this is Georgia Smith. This is Blue Note Reimagined. So basically, as you guys hear, her voice is pretty melodic, you know, into the jazz instrumentation. Very soft, you know. Um, So that's something very chill. And uh, this one is something new you guys told me about. I haven't even heard it. This is uh, Chloe and Holly. It's called Do It. Off of their new album, The Ungodly Hour.
4: Yeah, I beat my face. Moving fast cause I'm Uber on the way. Taking pictures, make sure you can see no less And we secure like the money in a safe I look like me, now I'm on the way Let
1: you know when I'm about a mile away When I'm outside, please don't make me wait The party's starting when we pull up to the gate Girl, we're it I'm just with
3: the crew When do you think? It's
1: a
4: real good time, yeah. you know? You can work yeah. out to this you could bump it in your car. It's a good summer song.
1: Okay. Yeah. I mean, I like Sorry, it too. I like, I like it to, myself. To yeah. I'm you know a grownish. <laughs> you a British fan? I am. I mean, I'm old on the outside, but I'm I'm like a 15 year old girl. <laughs> <laughs> That's good.
2: <Damn. laughs>
4: Yeah. Yeah.
3: So this is all called the Ungodly album. You know, it's the new album. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds uh, sounds pretty good. I bet. I bet. You know. Yeah. So that's uh,
4: these girls are Beyonce's artists, right? Mm -hmm. They they started on YouTube. They had a YouTube, and they were just doing you know covers of you know different old songs and doing duets and stuff. It was. It's really good to see them and in, in their progress over the years. Like it was, um, they're actor, they're actresses too.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah, they're the they play twins. On
3: the- on
4: yeah, right. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. They're they're really good. I like them. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, that's new music, you guys. I guess we we'll just close out with uh, this Kari Foe. This one's called Low Key Superstar. She said, you my biggest fan Yeah, I'm still that bitch, for now I'm feeling like a man All up in my business, but you ain't on payroll Maybe at you headers like my name is Mayno
1: Ass bitches need to drink a fago. Got time on your hands? You should start a talk show. I don't give no fuck because what do they know? Yeah, you're to beat the moves, but you know I stay low. I let the people talk. I let the people talk. I let the people talk. I said I let the people talk. I let the people talk. I let the people talk. That's the music, you guys.
3: So why don't we get to talking since she's talking about letting the people talk?
4: Right.
1: Most like you did that on purpose. Right. did you plan that?
3: You know what? You know, I saw it and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna just play it. I forgot that she said that, but I'm glad it worked out. <laughs> yeah. So that's the music. Yeah. What do
4: you guys think about that selection
3: this
4: week? I thought it was perfect, Aaron. Yeah, that was perfect. Perfect. Of course, that doesn't cover all the new music, but you know.
3: New research.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so let's get right into what's happened. Kevin, you ready? What's poppin'? I'm not ready. <laughs> <laughs> you
2: can't
0: do it all. <laughs> <Asa. laughs> What's oh, what's popping? What's popping? What's popping? Poppin'? All right, y'all. What's we poppin'? tried it this time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know what's. Poppin'?
3: I should I should have faded out, but probably sooner so we can hear you, Devin. Yeah. <laughs> Ti, <with> wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> Things
4: just go wrong. See, That's okay. why we don't even do it because okay, we're all out of sync. Okay. <laughs> we,
0: tried it. we tried it. Well, you know the protests have continued this week. Um, with a whole host of different marches happening again um, worldwide. I just wanted to kind of cover um, two most recent uh, issues that have come up um, with modern-day lynching, and we kind of talked about this before. Is there anything to the down a little bit? Um, so, yeah, two... Black men, unfortunately, were found hanging from a tree most recently. Um, Malcolm Harsh was found in front of, public, of the public library in Victorville on May 31st. So this was a couple of weeks ago or just about a week and a half ago. And then uh, one this past week, Robert Fuller in Palmdale um, across from City Hall. The sheriffs and the police um, are saying that they were suicide, but investigations are actually underway uh, regarding um, these men found hanging from trees. And I just wanted to check in with you all about what do you think about this? What's happening? You're
3: good, Devin.
4: It's just... I, I honestly like I really had to like disconnect this week from everything because like you know all of this, this racism, like this blatant like racism that we see day by day it's very um it's very overwhelming, it's very disappointing, it's very sad and I have like so much empathy. For these victims and their families because it's just it's very sad and just to see like that this is ongoing like we hearing about something new every day every other day every week like when is this gonna stop like and that's just oh <sighs> Oh, it's just very it's very uh sad like it's saddening. Like I'm really kind of like getting choked up right now because it's like what the heck? I just don't understand. Like just thinking about Brianna Taylor and and um her situation, like how her the officers don't even have like they are still out, you know, and even though they passed this law like They're still out. They're still getting paid. Like we still got work to do. We still have a lot of work to do.
0: That's just what it is. Yeah. What about you? What about you, Darren?
3: No, completely. I mean, I I agree with what Devin was saying because I don't know. It it is, it is because it is because you want to disconnect. Um, But I think I was even more angered after finding out that the sheriff's department quickly ruled it a suicide.
2: Mm -hmm. And I'm
3: like, the guy is hanging from a tree in a public square. And Daisy, Daisy, were we not just talking about this last weekend? Were we not just talking about how it would be a public spectacle to hang a black person in the public square.
0: We just talked about it.
3: Literally last week. Mm-hmm. And it's very, it's very eerie because even before George Floyd died, then we had talked really about Ahmad Arbery, about Breonna Taylor, because we heard like one week we heard about Ahmaud, the next week we heard about Breonna. And then, you know, and then this, mm-hmm. I mean, all it is to me is just, it's literally just showing us what's going on. Racism is I- like, lot- It ain't never died. died. When has it ever died? And when has it ever decreased, really? It's just not in the news. And you already see the news media and stuff. They already don't want to cover the protests no more. Mm -hmm. That's already been the hot news for two weeks. But now they're getting calls from people. Why don't you guys talk about something else, like the weather? right you know and then you know because you know how short attention spans some of these people be and then people just get complacent like oh i'm just gonna i'm just gonna order from a black restaurant on postmates and feel better about my day
1: (laughs) no for real right that's how they be doing the job
3: what about you dr b
0: how you feeling
1: you know it's interesting um i work in a predominantly white Based in um, industry, I work in educational technology, and so over the last couple of weeks, we've seen a lot come out from um, educational institutions about Black Lives Mattering and about how feel. And one of the conversations I had with some work colleagues this past week, it was like, "This is new for you," but this is my everyday. And yeah. I said, "You know." Nobody thought about the fact that even though you all are thinking about these statements and such like, though, there are those of us who have to live through this every day. Case in point, I during the quarantine, I went back to the Bay Area to stay with my parents. They live in a gated community um, in like east of the Bay Area. And I go, I was going on a nightly walk. and It's a very nice walk (laughs) around like three little lakes. And, you know, my parents have worked really hard. My mom, my stepdad have worked really hard for everything that they have. And I was walking. I think I might've stopped to tie my shoe or I might've been on a phone call. Um, I can't really remember, but the picnic table I stopped at (laughs) had the word nigger etched into the picnic table. And that was just in April. So I went like April 3rd and I came back here like right after Mother's Day so you know when you say like oh well maybe that was like January or February or even last year it doesn't matter but like just to make it clear that was less than six weeks ago that we saw the words etched into the picnic table and I came back home told my mom she got it erased what was crazy and I hope your listeners are offended, but like there was um, male genitalia right next to it on the picnic table. And they didn't remove the male genitalia picture, but they removed the N word. It was just like, so you don't care about misogyny, but you, like you have to tell them for each thing. So misogyny is not okay. Misogyny <laughs> <laughs> is not okay. Right. Um, met with the fact that like you have to have a pass to spend the night in her complex or in their um gated community and one night the guy just kind of got into me about like how many nights i have been there and start questioning me again i'm a doctor (laughs) i have gotten all of the degrees you can get i think i'm very well spoken but it doesn't remove my blackness right it doesn't remove my womanhood It doesn't Mm -hmm. remove the fact that I have to think about that every day. And so as we have these like protests and things going on, I'm inspired, but I'm also like for the white folks who have emailed me every hour on the hour since last Monday about being sad about whatever white folks are doing, like this is real for me every day. So thank you for coming to the party. I appreciate you. God bless you. But this is my everyday struggle. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, thank you guys for for sharing that. And um, I think for me, it is eerie. Uh, as Darren was mentioning, this is definitely something that we have talked about for the past few weeks and even in episodes before this. Um, and I remember in college when I was an undergrad, I wrote a paper about modern day slavery. And my professor actually used that paper as a topic of conversation. One, she was a white woman. She never asked me if I felt comfortable with her doing that. She never said, hey, Daisy, I wanna use this paper in conversation. And I distinctly remember, one, I was the only black person in this discussion class. It was an English, English class. And um, I remember multiple white students in the class specifically saying slavery doesn't exist anymore why would why like who would write something like this and I just felt I felt angered at my professor but I was also really annoyed by the students who were just so oblivious oblivious and this was like this was when I was in college so this was many many years ago you know what I mean like over 10 years ago um And that's, I would say, that's when I realized that, uh, obviously, people are not aware, but slavery was, me writing the paper, I don't know why I wrote it, but it was just in my heart to write it. Mm -hmm. And I just knew slavery and um, modern day slavery, modern day racism, whatever that had evolved to, whatever it has evolved to today, I knew that it it still existed, and I wanted to bring conversation to it. Mind you, I didn't know my professor was going to talk about it, but I'm actually glad that she did because it made me realize, like, man, these people around here are in college and they still don't know. Oh, they, still, they still just uneducated, okay?
3: That's what happens when you come from a from a suburban place or when you come over from, okay. even if you come over from Westwood, let's be real, or some, some maybe not Westwood, but Saltel, you know, or even, even you know? People will be oblivious because of their everyday, they do not encounter it, and they have very few people that are actually Black that are around them. And none of them make the connection. I mean, mm-hmm. thankfully, when I was in, at, at NYU, I was able to take a course called Lyrics on Lockdown where we taught a class at Rikers Island, you know, to some of the, the, the juveniles there that they had. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and, and just then, you know, one of the first books that I got, it was even before the even publishing date, really, was the new Jim Crow. You know, and, and, you know, just reading that book and just talking about how that is the modern-day slavery. Mm -hmm. You know, the 13th Amendment, it it outlawed all forms of slavery except for uh, uh, confinement of persons in prison. Mm -hmm. Literally, we have this whole labor force that's getting pennies on the dollar to do labor for different states. Talk about that's not any incentive, yet alone having having um, these prisons being for profit that they contract with.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, it exists, and I'm happy that we continue to talk about it. And I just send uh, prayers and condolences to those members' families, as well as uh, Rashard Brooks, who was outside of Wendy's in Atlanta um, a, a, a couple of days ago. Uh, the police officers fired at him as he was running away. Uh, they, he, the police were caught because he wasn't feeling well, and he was sleeping in his car. Mm -hmm. so tell me how someone who is not armed not a threat not killing other people Mm -hmm. how is it that this black man who actually needed help because he was not feeling well and he pulled over simply to get some reprieve how did he end up dead right
4: i seen a video of him when they were questioning him and He, um, they were asking him if he had if he had too much to drink, and he sound like in his voice he sounded a little like flirt, flirt, just a little flirt, and maybe I don't know, maybe that was because you know he wasn't feeling well, or maybe he did have a couple of drinks. He he just didn't want to tell them like but i don't even know what caused him to run away but that's not an excuse for them to fucking shoot him dead well and, 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 yeah. They, i just they, to because So let
3: just you know he ran away with the taser gun he struggled <laughs> with it. they were trying to arrest him right. for a DUI you know uh, um and he, resi- he 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 got away and he took one of their tasers you know and so he ran off with the taser and then they shot him in the back as he was running away so it's just like was that necessary? For, huh? but but even is that necessary you're literally as an officer <laughs> that officer he was upset that the dude took his taser and started running away, and he panicked and he starts shooting at him, like what is he going to do? Go off and use the stun gun i mean the the taser gun on somebody right. else.
0: Mm-hmm. And in all honesty, I you bring run, up.
3: like what do they teach you in the police academy? You run your two you you run your two legs and you chase after him.
0: Right. And I wanted to That's bring that too. Must do. Yeah, I wanted to bring this up too because um, the uh, there was a similar incident, not similar, but they recently arrested a white male who was shooting at the police. Mm-hmm. He was actually. Did you guys hear about this? I don't know the young man's name, but it <laughs> happened around the same time of Rayshard Brooks, which is why people are outraged. Yeah. You have a man who just grabbed a taser and was running away, and then you have a white man who was literally shooting at the police, and somehow this white man ended up being um, taken into custody unharmed.
3: But That's not always I'm just like Dylan Roof. Dylan Roof shoots those, those people. All these, all these white mass murderers, if they don't shoot themselves, they're not going to die. Let's just put it that way. Those mass shooters, many of them, the ones who were dead was because they shot their own selves. Police are over there, don't shoot. Don't shoot, you you know. Oh, my goodness. This guy shot himself in the head. We can't apprehend him for justice. Black guy runs away. You shoot him three times in the back. Oh, well, we got to stop him.
0: But what what what, what, oh my what made it so easy to shoot black people? Mm-hmm. What is going on? They think you? we worthless.
4: They like the, the they. That's just another black man. That's just
0: another black woman dead. Well, the police uh, chief resigned, and the officer that actually shot him was fired. Uh, whether he'll face charges or actually be. Um, Incriminated or go to jail, uh, we don't know, so that's yeah. but you know, a lot of protests have come out of Atlanta from that, and then uh, there was a, they me, a, Wendy's, that was down. a Wendy's was burned down, but then did you guys see that video, excuse me, of the, uh, a white woman?
4: Yes, mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. wait, so my- the
4: man was like, The man was like, Y'all see this? It's not us, y'all see this.
1: <laughs> yes, yes.
3: Very common.
1: i just want y'all to see twitter, has been
3: a, uh, twitter and uh, yeah i don't even know about facebook but i haven't seen a lot of stuff on twitter so twitter so, has literally been spreading a lot of these videos out like uh, wild, wildfire. wild wild fire yeah
0: um so yeah, I just also wanted to bring up the amount of protests that are happening. A Black Lives Matter uh, march happened today off of Hollywood Boulevard, and we are seeing a lot of Black Lives Matter being um, uh, drawn into the painted painted onto the asphalt in the streets across the the globe, actually, um, and in a lot of cities uh, in particular. But in Hollywood, they also uh, created one recently um, too to uh go along with the march it was also uh normally today would be like pride day will be pride weekend uh so black lives matter and pride um had a march today off of hollywood so many members joined together to march and to continue to protest uh these issues um in addition to that did you guys see what did you want to say darren
3: well like i guess what i did hear was that uh black lives matter uh that there wasn't a coordination between like the organizers of the LA pride out here. It was just nice. literally black lives matter. And a few other activists who, who put this on without, you know, they did not request assistance from the LAPD. Um, yeah, just to note that, let's just put that out there.
1: I, don't know I, 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 didn't,
3: I didn't know what the people, the organizers of out there in West Hollywood, cause you know, let's be real about West Hollywood. It's not like they've been pretty nice to black people either. Let's just, you know, let's just be real. Those white gays, it's not like they, they you know, some, you know. They not get- the white gays.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> let's be, be White gays
1: gay. Just white a specific, gay. let me give us a specific PSA for the white gays. <laughs> <You continue laughs> talking to you. <laughs> Sorry, Darren. It tickled my little soul that you wanted to specifically call out the white gays at West Hollywood. You know who you are, oh, you are. damn Basente. Oh, sorry. Sorry.
3: Right, 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 go ahead. Make your point, please. <laughs> <laughs> that's so- that's oh,
0: cool. that was
3: good. Anyway, <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. So I mean, it just we just know, you know, like don't be out here. Me and myisha were actually talking about um, performative allyship earlier, and what that actually looks like. Because Darren, you actually you bring up a good point that I wanted to mention is, um, as you mentioned, the white gays and maybe some wh- white people who claim to be allies. Many of them are doing this as a performative allyship. Um, Dr. B, like what were we talking about earlier that you want to highlight from that?
1: Oh boy. I mean, here's my deal. I want to just go on record and say my best friend in the whole entire world is a white woman. We've mm-hmm. been best friends since we were freshman year of high school. Um and she's more about it, about it than I am. <laughs> in high school, like she you know she was ready to get it in if you crossed myisha in the wrong way, which I appreciated because we grew up in a mostly- a predominantly white environment um but the performative piece for me is like if you didn't call my name, call my phone, text me, email me, send me a twitter message, instagram, <sighs> Facebook, and I haven't talked to you, and then you say you know i'm sorry about what's happening as though somebody in my own family died at first you guys i'm gonna be so so honest when people started hitting me up on monday morning after george or tuesday after the whole george floyd thing i was like "Did somebody in my family died and i like went on facebook because i didn't i was like what happened like People follow my my friends or my family, and something happened. But then I was like, and then I had to ask, like I asked my best friend, I was like, "Is there an email going out to all the white people asking y'all to send emails (laughs) to all of your black friends?" I just I wanted to know. She goes, "Hold on, let me check." No, we ain't got (laughs) no. Like I and so like for me, like don't pretend that black lives matter to you now. Right. When, as a doctor, I still not paid an equal wage of a white man, I am still, um, I still can't get a job using my skill set or my degree. Um, i still a microaggressed every day and you refuse to have trainings <clears throat> or, um, or learning and development opportunities for me. Uh, or for others in the space that I, the spaces I work in and I'm not just talking about my space I'm talking about like this is happening to all of my friends I have three or four other friends who are women of color who have PhDs who are still not getting paid at the same rate as their white counterparts with master's degrees <gasps> um, and with less experience um, <laughs> and you know so like the performative nature for me really is around like you should have been thinking about the black lives in your corporations and your companies and in your institutions before there mm-hmm. has been a dying on the street or a woman dying on the street in order for you to tell me that my black life matter. I know it matters. we mm-hmm. all know it matters, but like for you to be performative now and be woke now
2: mm-hmm.
1: put your money where your mouth is. That oh, works. It- Put your money where my pocketbook is. Really, is what I'm trying to say. Oh, that <laughs> thing, Myisha. Like, yeah. Like, could you? Could? Could? A, can you run me? Can you run me my check? All the, <laughs> I need my money. funds. Yeah, yeah. I got. I got a whole doctorate degree to pay for as a first-generation college student.
0: Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, so I definitely fun. wanted to uh, to highlight that because I do think the performative allyship versus being a real ally, or what I would call like um, an honest or humble ally is it looks much different. So you guys just be clear about where you stand. And if you still have learning to do admit that don't act like you just right. all about this cause
2: mm-hmm. and ready
0: to be down where you were never down and your actually your actions currently say- and previously don't match up with that. Just say I have some work to do. I'm going to yeah. look in the mirror. I got some changes to make and make the changes. Because right. then, like Maisha said, you, then you can put your money where your mouth is. Then right. I'm going to believe you. But otherwise, you're just out here performing, looking like an actor. Like,
2: yeah, you but for, for your... I mean, That's it.
1: the thing. Like, we'll be able to tell yeah. if you put your money where your mouth is because then we will see instit- institutional and systematic change. So... Right. You know, it's all gonna come out in the wash as my granny used to say. Like, it's all it's all gonna come out, you know. At, at the end of the day, we're gonna figure this out and we're gonna see who's on the left and who's on the right. So, you know, you might as well be on the right side and ask a question. Be okay with being dumb and like, you know, fumbling across hey. your... Because that's okay. Like... I think All my you, friends don't have it right, but at least they're willing to ask the questions. You know.
4: Yeah. I think you get you gain more respect when you're real and honest and raw about you not knowing shit or you not being like woke about some shit or like you just I'm not used to this. Like I'm sorry, like this is not the life that I'm used to or I I don't really see it. Like I think that's how you gain more respect because, like sister said. <laughs> We gonna see if you being real or if you being fake about it. Like, I swear this is one way at work. Like, he really tried to be down. And I just be like, we're trying too hard, sir. Like, it's not that serious. Like, or sit anything. down. But like,
3: well, don't get me started about those people who was at the protest with those signs talking about don't kill black men. I want mixed babies. Oh, you didn't see those signs? Oh, that was it. That and was a your time. Second time now. This is your second
1: time. First. This is your second time. I'm trying to work on um, being part of the Oliver family. But oh you. <laughs> this is your second time. I'm, listen, if I go face off of this thing, you'll know what happened. But I'm not going to be able to deal with it here.
3: I'm just already (laughs) not. No, I'm literally going (laughs) on Facebook. I just saw it earlier today. It's literally these these I don't know what ethnicity they were, but they had signs that said BLM, I want mixed babies. (laughs)
4: Sit down. Sit down. (laughs) Just sit down. I don't understand. Like, I mean, like I said. People are, like, we're gonna see if you being real and genuine about your shit, and if you're gonna put your money where your mouth is,
0: like. Yeah, speaking about being real, y'all, Dave Chappelle <laughs> oh. came out with a special, just random special that he wanted to release called 846 um, on Netflix, on YouTube. I have not seen it yet, so anybody that's seen it, please tell me about it right now, because I want to know. <laughs>
3: It was great. It was great. It was about a, it was about less than half. It was less than half an hour. But really, he goes through a history of of what's been going on. Really, like the last really since he did Killing Me Softly. Remember, he did Killing Me Softly. He did a bit about police then, you know, and, um, you know, he was just talking about like, if you've ever like listened to me, I, I've talked about this. And then he reviewed, you know, um, you know, remember Chris Dorner, the guy, the former LAPD officer who was out here terrorizing L.A. about yeah. 10 years ago?
2: Right, right,
3: right. Yeah, so he talked about that, and he talked about, like, all the stuff going on. I mean, it was real quick. He, it wasn't really comedy. It was just literally a whole monologue.
2: Oh, wow. I just
3: talking about it. It was wonderful. I really suggest people watch it. Even those people who don't find Chappelle funny, I mean, I think it's worth watching. Uh, um, because he does spit some real good facts mm-hmm. in history,
1: it lets you know why he is who he is. Like one of the things about Dave Chappelle is "Don't Kill Me, Oliver Happy Hour." I did not watch his show, The Chappelle Show. I only saw bits and pieces. I was in I didn't grad school. <laughs> okay, so, please let <laughs> me out.
2: <laughs> but. I <definitely> <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, but I love Chappelle. I've loved Chappelle forever. And I think one of the things that is ingenious about him is that he talks about why he came out and said something. He was like, I don't have to. The one thing that he said that gave me all the life in the world, he said, the streets are talking. They don't want to hear from us right now. Mm. And that to me said, like, he could have dropped the mic at that point. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, like, celebrities aren't leaders. And I love that he was like... I'm going to tell you my story because I am a Black man, but I'm not going to speak on what the streets are talking about because they are speaking for themselves. And that, to me, was everything we needed to hear from the celebrity, right? Like Because if anybody could say whatever they want to say and get away with it, it was him. So it's almost like they picked straws and was like, you already know a Chappelle. He got to be the one that goes out and says, <laughs> this is what we do with right.
0: Right, right. Well, I'm definitely going to check it out. It's it's something that I have wanted to watch this whole weekend. But just like Devin, I I just had to disconnect because it was overwhelming. These past uh, few weeks has been... um, obviously an awakening and a reckoning and things that we've been talking about over the past few weeks. And even, you know, at the end of last year and talking about 2020, like it's about to be 2020 vision, a reckoning. And then all this happens. You're like, okay, God, thank you. My hold on. God. hold, on. Just hold to- on, For the reckoning. Um, <laughs> we're just trying to roll with the punches. And speaking of another comedian uh, that has, that is a black male that has had to deal with uh, police brutality recently is Jay Farrow uh, from SNL. Sorry, you guys, they popped in fireworks again. Um,
1: <laughs> you, know. you know, I almost ducked. I'm from, you know, part of me is from open, <laughs> so I almost got under this table. <laughs> what? you got one more time. <laughs> um,
0: Jay Farrow from SNL actually recently had police Put their knees on his neck right here in Los Angeles, uh, California. Did anyone see the video that he posted?
3: I did not, but I knew that he was talking about his encounter with the police. But I didn't, I I didn't, uh, I didn't see it. Oh, looks like it was on Good Morning America.
1: Yeah, I saw it, and it was, the, again, the thing that got me was, like, that one-liner, I'm from the suburbs, and my parents kept me from this, this is the first time I've ever been put in handcuffs, and so you think about, like, this guy is probably in his 30s, early 40s, mm-hmm. you know, and to, like, be in America as a famous person. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and I'm looking at,
3: this, uh, I'm sorry.
1: No, yeah, go ahead, Yeah.
3: Well, no, because I'm, I'm over here. I pulled it up. And it's just like they pulled up on him. He's walking yeah. in front of the gas station. Mm-hmm. They pulled up on him. And he had his beats on.
1: So he wasn't, like, he had his earphones on. So he didn't hear them. So as he's, like, walking and not paying attention, they, like, are more and more. And he's narrating it in the video. So he's talking about it in the video. Um, And he's saying, like, I didn't even hear him because I had my beats on. And, I, you know, I'm a lot. And I had to tell him to pull up my video to see them, Jay Farrell. Then uh-huh. a minute later, they were like, sorry, but still had him in the handcuffs. It's just, you know, again. It's crazy. It's 2020. It's no, where,
3: but, but literally, yeah, but where is where is the respect for anybody? You know, because they right. just treated him like he was just anybody else, no matter right. what. I mean, and, Hopefully he sues. But I mean, that's something that, you know, we could talk about as well is like why the budget as well, probably other police departments keep going up because they got to make all these settlements. We got to pay out. We got to pay out because these officers are overly uh, aggressive or use excessive force. Say
0: that thing, Darren. Say that thing.
1: Yeah. All you got to do is spend the money ahead of time. I always say this about anything that I've ever done in life. Like if you, Well, you know, DJ Quick said it best. If you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. Oh, there we go. (laughs) Quick is a name. (laughs) uh, Please don't ask me for no check, DJ Quick. I ain't got no money. (laughs) 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 Um, But I'm just saying, like, if we would be more proactive as a society, if we spend the money on the front end, we wouldn't have to spend it on the back end. There you go.
0: Right, Debbie. Deb, what were you gonna say? You're gonna say something. Oh, no, I was gonna say because I remember watching this video.
4: Speaking of like people of uh cops, like just um profiling racially profiling people and thinking, you know, making a mistake of somebody that is like in a high rank or something like that. It was this guy, this African guy. I, I want to say he was a part of like the African some type of FBI he was like um uh, in law enforcement i know you you guys probably seen I mean, it and i saw it yeah and the the cops were just like um just racially profiling him messing with him and he's like what do you guys mess with me for i'm sitting here being like minding my own business and just because you guys say i fit the description of somebody that randomly reported a robbery or something and he was like, You guys are gonna like pay for this. Like if y'all look at my he was like, look at my ID. Like and then as soon as they looked at it, they were like, Oh, like <laughs> they were like, We're sorry. We um we thought you were somebody else. And they just like they just let him go.
0: Right, but run me those badge numbers. Run me your name. And that's what he was saying. I need your
4: badge numbers. I need your name. Like uh y'all not getting yeah, I'm not getting away with this.
3: But the thing is, is that that's the thing is that all of it goes unchecked. They just say like, "Oh, yeah, it was a misunderstanding," and then they keep going hey. and doing the same thing over and over again. That's why, you know. Uh, um, well, what are we supposed to talk about next, Daisy? Uh, we're not talking about we're defunding have the a police.
0: Conversation with Doctor B. But what were you going to say,
3: Darren? Well, no, we can get into it in, in, in politics when we're talking about more about defunding the police and and, and things like that, and explain you know more about it.
0: Yeah, great. So, um, you will, we, because we do want to talk about defunding the police. It has been a hot topic this week and something that we did mention uh, last weekend as well. As uh, supporters of it, we do support defunding the police and uh, putting more money into social services and providing job opportunities for people that are more, that are properly trained to handle situations that police have been failing in terms of their response. Uh, in general, but we do want to lead this next part of the conversation with a conversation with Dr. B. Um, In talking about young women in um, college specifically, because that is your expertise, um, Dr. B. So, you know, you have had experience with uh, having over 300 women at UCLA in your sister to sister uh, class over the past, um, what did you say, 12 years?
1: well 7 14. years but we've taught the okay. class 14 times got it over the last
0: 7 years taught the class 14 times so that's about two quarters mm-hmm. um a a year mm-hmm. so yeah i just wanted to hear from you as a black um female instructor uh and also working with young women in the college settings like how is their interactions then in terms of their identity development among the African diaspora.
1: Yeah, um, so first I want to shout out the folks that I created the course with because I did not do this on my own. So John Lee, Dr. John Lee Tunstall, and Dr. Samara Blackman and I, um, along with a, a PhD student at the time, created a class at UCLA. Uh, as an answer to the black male class. It was called Limited in 2013. So just to give you a little history of it, right? So I I, um, started my doctorate in 2011 and I thought I was gonna work with black men specifically. The reason I thought I was gonna do my research with black men was because I have three brothers. Um, Like I said, I have 43 first cousins and out of those 43 first cousins, only one of my black male cousins had graduated with a BA um, from a four year university. And so I was like, I gotta solve this problem with why, you know, black men, um, aren't graduating from college at the same rate that black women are. Uh, and then I met Dr. Tyrone Howard and, you know, he was like, tell me your story. And so I told him about my upbringing in both Oakland and the suburbs of Oakland. And he was like, research is me, search my And then he was like, so I think you should work with black women. I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> Mm -hmm. (laughs) i was like i want to do black men so i went to black limited class um and then i went to a a conference called naspa which is a conference for student affairs professionals and in that conference there was like i think 30 something sessions about black men Mm. Mm. none about black women not one Mm not one it was a four-day conference and there was i was like i maybe i'm tripping right so like me being who i am i went through the pamphlet like three or four times right then i was asking around and there was nothing and so i came back to dr howard and i said all right fine. what you want me to do?" <laughs> and he said i'm glad you have seen it my way he's like i want you to have a class that answers uh the black laminated class for black men and i said okay he's like but There's some people that I think you should do it with. So we think very easily, and this is getting to the question that you're asking, Daisy, because I think you have to set it up, right? So we thought we were going to take the black-climated syllabus, slap black women. (laughs) I hate it, right? Like, we didn't know what we were going to call it, but we thought we just slap it, you know, slap. And we were like, oh, there's things missing here. Mm. There's gaps here um and we realized quickly that we couldn't take the black male experience and transfer it into the black female experience because Mm -hmm. the things that black men were talking about were like how to not be co-opted as an athlete um how to, uh, utilize your resources and how to stay out of trouble and, you know, help sex health educators coming in to talk about how to not, a uh, title nine educators coming in, how to not get caught up in the situations that you shouldn't be caught up into. Um, and it was like just a list of folks coming into class, which worked for them. But what we realize about black women is if we don't have community, I'm not coming to class and telling you all my business. If I don't know you. Right. Mm-hmm aspect yeah right (laughs) like um so we realized very quickly we had to have a different setup and so we set the class up very strategically And, and just to be clear um we were all either finishing a doctorate or had completed a doctorate so you had for the first time black women who were at a research one institution having black women teach them for the first time.
3: Mm.
1: Right? So that in itself was like mind blowing. Yeah,
3: before like even in like from primary school like all that.
1: You again it gets into these layers, right? Like who are most of the teachers in elementary and high school? White women. White women, yeah. Right? So some of these girls may have had like one Black woman teacher, right? I think I have my first black teacher in the seventh grade. Right. Um, and then I don't think I had another black teacher until I got to college. Right. Well, we have Miss Harrison.
4: Well, I had my first black teacher was what? I was in
3: preschool. Third grade.
0: <laughs> I was, I, well, we also compton pre- pre- Devin.
3: Yeah. Compton, Carson. I mean, I had the luxury that I, I went to Audubon, which was just like a traditionally, you know, it's a lot smaller now, but you know, we had, it was black excellence, you know, right there in black the bird park. park. Yeah. So you have all the, had all these, I had all these, but by the time I got there, like my teachers were there for 20, 30 years already, you know? So um, which
1: is, this is one of the things that I love about LA because you do have the access to black excellence, but in the Bay area, it's not the same, right? In the South, depending on where you live in the South, it's not the same, right? And so you're thinking about these are women coming from all over the country and the world. Um, And- Uh, UCLA admits six percent of the hundred thousand students who apply to the university and so then you break that down into black students and then black female students which are at a higher rate than black male students but they have probably been in honors classes and been um, marginalized as the only in their class right so they're coming into this class for the first time with all black women like think about that for a minute (laughs) so yeah
0: yeah, it's like it's kind of like an HBCU experience for right. the at a predominantly right.
1: yeah. white institution. Right. right. Mm-hmm. So we realized we had to think about that as we were pre- prepping the class. So we talk about community for the first three weeks. And then we talk about self-esteem and self-beauty and self-identity for the next three weeks. Um, that encompasses relationships and uh, romantic relationships, family relationships. And for the last three weeks, we talk about academics and career goals. And one of the things that I love most that we do is we bring in our um, friends from the community who are in professional careers that these women want to be in and have them talk about their experience as a Black woman. Because what, you know, it's Pollyanna. a little bit right these black girls come in and they become black women and they think i'm gonna get this degree and this degree is going to free me (laughs) from said thing right or i will be seen as equal to said thing and then these women who are in professional careers obgyns lawyers um heads of uh the academy uh and then they're like yeah no It's not that easy, (laughs) honey. It's not that that easy, honey. Um, And here's how we've overcome. Uh, And so I think the layers that I really wanted to like to share with you all is that I think one of my arguments and one of the things that I am critiquing uh, in my research and in the work that I do with Black women, with uh, professors and faculty members at high school and colleges is what I'm critiquing is we have a monolithic view of the way we see Black women Mm -hmm. and we're still using 1970s methodologies for 2020 women. So in the 1970s, when Prop 209 was instated and most folks were coming from segregated communities and most folks were coming from all black this and all black that, you were talking about how do you, you know, network, how do you get around, how do you do this, how do you do that? And we're still using that methodology for first generation African students who are coming, whose parents are immigrants here. But they are seen as black in their communities, but Nigerian or Kenyan or Ugandan when they get home. And so they're having to contend with this duality of their personality and of their identity based on where they live currently, but the culture that their families know to be true. I had one young woman say to me, like, we were talking about slavery in a class, and they were like, How do your family, how's your family feel about slavery? And I'm like, I don't, my, slavery you enlighten me <laughs> we don't know we don't know shit about slavery um and you know then you have multi racial students in a way that we haven't had them before. And so students who come from these multiracial backgrounds who might not be raised in a home with their Black families or might not even know their Black families and are feeling like, I want to understand my identity as a Black woman or as a multiracial woman because I haven't had that experience. Or women, Black women, African-American women who aren't first-generation college students, but are lumped into first-generation programming when they get to college, because there's no, I still want to feel like part of the community, but I don't need these same resources. So am I taking from other people who need these resources? But because my family had some of these resources. So there's a lot of layers, right? And I don't want to say intersectionality because intersectionality is really the the dual oppression, right? When Kimberly Crenshaw talks about intersectionality, it's not like I'm a black woman and that's the intersection it's that I am oppressed as a as a woman and I'm oppressed as a black person so the intersectionality of my oppression is what I'm really experiencing and going through and so that's what Kimberly Crenshaw is talking about but what I'm talking about are the layers by which these students are coming into college having to contend with their identity and then having to contend with how people are seeing them around you know them in the college setting and when they go home because now I have a different identity that is bucking up against what you raised me to be right
0: right and I'm Mm -hmm. glad that you um mentioned that because um you know it's definitely brought up some things for me especially when I was in college and I'll just mention this um as we talk about identity and the Uh, female the black females experience um, in terms of connecting with the black culture uh, and their black identity in general I was in my masters of social work program at USC and I literally had another black um, like it was multiple other black women in the class but it was the activity where you had to bring in a part of your culture that represented your um, experience So I brought in the hot comb because it was a part of my family culture, but also a part of black culture. Right. So I bring in the hot comb like, you know, this is me. okay? represent. This is how I grew up. It's how I bonded with my family. And um, another black girl in the class, she did not bring anything. She said, I had no, she said, I don't know where my African back ancestors come from. I have no idea where my black, um, you know, parents or history comes from after, during slavery, even after slavery, what name I was given. I just have no form of understanding what being black in America means. So I couldn't really think of anything. So she brought like some t-shirt or something like that. And it made me think like, you gotta be kidding me. But you're highlighting, Maisha, exactly what she connected to, which is I'm a black woman, but I may be from African descent or I'm my family, I'm first generation, and I don't connect with the black experience, but how can I still show up? I wanted to connect that with this Black Lives Matter movement, in that, you know, black women are not necessarily being highlighted. Um, In terms of the deaths or the police brutality, um, the killings and the murders of um, some of the black men that have unfortunately been murdered by police. And why is that? How do we bring, you know, the experience of black men and black women to the forefront um, and make it a conversation that includes everybody uh, that's experiencing this is really kind of what I wanted to tap into next. So what do you guys think? good Um, I feel like
4: um with everything with the um identity the black woman's identity I don't know Sandra Bland just pops in my head I feel like Sandra Bland her situation and although they made a you know a documentary a documentary of or um a small docuseries of what happened to her. Um, But I feel like they didn't look more into that. Like they just, it was just closed case. Like how all of a sudden she just ended up dead. Like she got pulled over for a, a fail to signal or something like that. and and, all of a sudden, like, the next day or the next two days or however many days it was, she just ends up dead, and y'all want to rule it as a su- suicide? No.
2: hmm Yeah.
4: No, absolutely. It's just that whole, I really, like, and because she was my age, I don't know, I guess maybe that because it, that hits home, because, she, I don't know, she was a good, what? like, she was somebody that was really trying to like push the black lives matter movement. Like she was so a lot, like her spirit, her personality, like she just, it just didn't make any sense. And for them to just like close, close the case and just be like, Oh, she's just, she just committed suicide. Like just like with these guys that, the sure. just been lynched. Like why do they feel like it's okay to just rule it as, a suicide or just rule it as like oh like it was their fault like
3: you know why dev is is because they can and they have and they've used it before you know they just said oh it's a suicide how the heck can sandra bland die from a from a suicide you're saying that she hung herself with what what was it like the trash bags that's inside (laughs) of the cell
4: and it just didn't make it,
3: didn't no, add a- it. It doesn't make it doesn't make any sense. But the thing is is that they will not do an investigation. They're the police. They're the ones that's supposed to investigate and collect information. And look, they didn't. They didn't collect any information. I mean and then the same thing, the same thing with that trigger happy police. Oh I'm forgetting her name. Oh, I feel terrible. I but what know. was that young lady who she was playing video games with her nephew? Mm-hmm. It was in the early hours of the morning. And mm-hmm. uh, thought that, you know, the door was wide open, so the neighbor, you know, called the police out of concern. Right. Come to find, you know, trigger-happy police officer shoots her through her own window. Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's numerous cases, too, like, and it's just like, okay, are the are, is justice being served for these women? Like, even though it's cases of the black man who... You know, gone unsolved or un—you know—they haven't. Um, it's still in limbo or whatever. Like mm-hmm. the women, it's like they just case closed. Just like Brianna Taylor. Like of course, now we celebrating that the the they passed this law, and now what? Now what?
3: What's going But that law doesn't really do. Come on, let's be real. That law doesn't really do shit. It just says for no knock warrants, right? They're no longer going to do no-knock warrants. But what they found out was that many times, even if the officer doesn't have a no-knock warrant, they basically don't knock and they just go in. They say, police here. And even if you crack the door, they kick it open. Yes. Or sometimes they just kick the door open and there's there's nobody policing the police. Well, you don't even have to talk about
1: police in order for you to see that Black Lives Don't Matter and Black women are at the end of that conversation.
2: Mm -hmm. right? Mm
1: -hmm. Like, okay, so I'm a STEM student. I'm the only STEM student in my class. I'm a female Black student in my STEM class. So for those who are watching science, technology, engineering, mathematics, there's a group project. Nobody wants to be my group member because I'm a Black woman. A Black male will get selected to be in a group because of the stereotypes that exist for Black females. Angry, Mm -hmm. confrontational, Mm -hmm. uh, antisocial. Really, I'm shy. (laughs) Right? Like, I'm not antisocial. I'm shy. I I don't want to speak out because I might say the wrong thing. Right? Um, And I have to ask the professor to assign me to a group. Right. That's not, that's not a microaggression. That's an assault on my intelligence.
3: Right. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Or, or them saying, Oh, well, you know, this, you know, this is what I've heard. I'm not a black woman. So I I haven't heard these things, but (laughs) like saying like, Oh, well, black women are, are angry or like they're too bossy. And it's like, Are you even like listening to what they have to say though? Because many times. Are we bossy? Are
1: we sharing our opinion in an authoritative way that you can't take because you were not sure about your opinion? Mm. Yes. Yes. So this is the thing, right? So Mm. if I am not seen as equal to because of my attitude or the way I present myself, Mm -hmm. and therefore I don't speak up for myself readily, then who will speak up for me, right? Like I think about Breonna Taylor, like other black women are having to still put her name in social media and on news in order for people to keep her name in our memories in the same way that we aren't able to remember. Like let's name five black men right now who were killed. We could do it. Mm -hmm. Let's name five black women who were killed we don't so, get
3: there i know i need to find the name of homegirl i was just talking about
1: we this got this got what the- I'm saying, right because it's not perpetrated but if you i mean like also can you name five black scientists who are women can you name five black doctors who are in social media like who are out there who are women mm-hmm. can you name five black engineers who are women five black mathematicians who are women Mm-hmm. Right, Like, am I a black woman or I'm a woman who's black, like if you see me as a woman who is black, you look at me as someone who is not as worthy, right? but if I'm a black woman, you can put me in these categories blah 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 that we just named, and so my, my thing when we teach these young women, we're teaching them to undo and unlearn identities that were given to them so that they can construct their own
4: mm. That's a good word, Maisha. That's a good word.
3: And just so I can say her name, her name was Atatiana Jefferson, who Atatiana. I was mentioning. Yeah. And that was in October two, 2019. So not right. even that long ago.
1: Yeah, not even, I mean, it's happening at the same rate. Let's be clear. It's happening at the same rate. But until we get to a place where our Black men and we as Black women love ourselves enough to call each other's names out, even in spaces of um excellence, like we will continue to have this issue because listen, I always tell my, the black girls, nobody is coming for us. <laughs> no <Nope. laughs> like, like, let me be clear. There is no one who's going to in on a white horse and be like, we finally here for y'all y'all ready? It's, it's not going to happen that way. We have to be willing to put ourselves on the line. And I'm so proud of the young women that we've taught over the years, 300 black women. We have entrepreneurs. We have girls who are in medical school. We have girls who are, um, one girl went straight from UCLA into a PhD program that was fully funded, right? So, like, we are, we can see that representation matters, yeah. seeing yourself as a like seeing yourself in women who have accomplished what you've accomplished and overcome the things that you're gonna have to matters as we like set course for this new generation of black women.
0: Right. And I think um thank you so much, Dr. B, you know, for for sharing that perspective. Cause I did want to get into um that topic of conversation primarily because we all hear George Floyd and Ahma- Ahmaud Arbery and a whole host of other black men's names, but you are right. The women seem to be forgotten and unseen um, and not in- invisible. I think that you use that term. So I do want to highlight black women primarily because and Darren, we're going to get into this um, in a little bit when we talk about defunding the police are black feminist have come to our rescue over and over and over again. When I think about Harriet Tubman leading the way for slaves and her bearing that um, cross to you know free slaves in general, how do we come to the aid and the support of black women like we do our black men? And how do we as a culture, a black culture, begin to support each other and uplift each other during this movement, Um, instead of, you know, Black men being like, oh, you know, not really thinking about Black women or saying derogatory things, and Black women, you know, saying negative things about Black men, like, how do we, what is the solution for us to come together and start speaking of each other and saying our names, saying the names of those that have unfortunately passed away more regularly, Um, That is just one of the things that we can just start to say their names um, out loud and remember them and bring attention to them like we do in the media for the men as well. But what are some of the other solutions as we move forward um, during this movement to bring attention to our Black women as much as our Black men? Um. I feel like it just is gonna it's
4: gonna take us coming together more often, reaching out to each other. Um I recently uh saw like this um video about um Brianna Taylor and her mom um saying um well it was different celebrities so they were saying like do you know what happened to Brianna Taylor and it was multiple black ce- black women that were celebrities. Um, and I know um, it was this other, like, saying this other hashtag, like, black women, black men, and they were, like, tagging people, whatever. Um, it was, like, a copy and paste type of thing. But it's just going to come – you just got – we all got to come together. Like, we all have to – um not judge before we know the person. Like I feel like some that's kind of common with black women. Um we tend to judge before we actually know the woman. Um sometimes like I try I try not to um, judge before I know the person, you know, especially if they're a black woman. I feel like, shoot, at my job, <laughs> when an, it, there was another, because I work for a Japanese company. So, you know, there's Asians, there's predominantly Asians there that work there, um, or Hispanics. And there's only three of the three black women in the office. And when I met the first black woman, I was like, okay, <laughs> it's another one. All right, good. Are you talking then,
0: about celebrating each other?
4: Yes. Like, hey, girl, like, what's up? Like, I don't have to. And then, like, with this compliment, our hair, like, the our coworkers, they don't really understand. They just be like, every time I take my braids out, they're like, oh, my God, you cut your hair. Like, what? okay. I didn't cut my hair. I just took my braids out. That's all. Okay um just calm down <laughs> but my other coworker, um she's became like a great friend to me um we like we have our little meetups <laughs> in a break room or in a restroom like where we just have to vent to each other about what we like the i don't want to say oppression but this you know, the subtle things that
0: happen, like... Institutionalized racism and systemic racism that you experience at work. Understandable, yep. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) So I feel like, personally, I think, you know, just women, they
4: need to treat other women, other black women, how they would want to be treated because all of us are going through the same shit or we've all been in the same type of situation one way or another, you know, I mean, just women in general, like we have a lot in common, but black women, we also have more in common as well because with this systemic racism, like (laughs) we, 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 have to come together. We just have to be together.
0: Thank you, Dev. Thank you. Um, why do anybody else have any other solutions before we switch into politics? Because, you know, we, gonna, we can go all night. But uh, I do want to get into politics. But any
1: other final thoughts about solutions? I do have one other thought. And the, the one thought I have is, and it kind of sp- spins off of what Devin is talking about, you know, in order for us to kind of change the narrative, we have to be willing to combat the narrative that's currently out there. Right. So um, one of the things that I say that we say to our uh, girls is we hold each other down and lift each other up. Mm -hmm. So it's not enough just to hold me down in one space. But when you see me down, you're lifting me up when, you know, you see me doing well, you're lifting me up. And the one example I'll give is I know we're switching over to politics. So I talked about that STEM class. That was a real story. Right. <laughs> that was a real thing that was happening to our girls when we first start teaching the class. Um, and so one of our girls, one of the women in the class said, no more. I'm done with that. <laughs> so she created this like spreadsheet because she is amazingly who she is. And so they made it to where you could find out what other black girls were taking STEM classes so that you never had to take STEM classes alone
2: oh wow yeah
1: I I loved it it was like you know I don't know how they do it I don't know if it's in black Bruins don't quote me don't at me don't ask me because I don't know um but I do know that um they were able to say like you don't have to take a STEM class alone. So if you were in the STEM class alone, or you think you're going to take these classes, here are the classes you can take, and here's who you could take it with, so that you don't ever have to be alone in that class. And so then it's harder to tell two Black girls, no, you can't be in our group. <laughs> right? And so I think if we travel together more often, into more spaces in the same way that there's nepotism for white folks every day, all day, instead of being like, oh, if there's two Black women in this space as a doctor, somebody might get left out or they might not see my shine. We all have room to shine. So when you're in a, a corporate situation or if you're getting Daisy knows I am the hookup queen. I know a bunch of people and I like to connect people to each other because that is how you remove the narrative that we don't get along. I work with and for Black women all day, every day, right? Like, oh, my friend is an OBGYN who's a Black woman. You need, you know, like... Because right. I think the connection that we are allowed to give each other when we show up in the room, when we show up in the room, holding each other down and lifting each other up, there is nothing we can't accomplish, and there's nothing we can't get through together. As opposed to like one over here and one over here.
4: Thank you for properly saying what I was trying to
0: say. <laughs> And I do, you know, I do like that message that's been going around on Facebook and Instagram lately about like I'm a black woman, I hold my other yes. woman up, I right. lift up my friend, I, you know, Perfect. that is just really amazing. And then the support of black businesses as well. It's a, mm-hmm. um, uh, it's a, a lot of different articles that have come out to support that's black a beauty businesses. Beauty industry too.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, right. I said the right. whole list you know like oh <laughs> of all my uh, all the homies like Rose skin skincare i'm gonna say it right here right Jamika, i got you girl right, right. <laughs> so, Wakanda, like hilltop you know these are like my peoples and not because like i'm trying to get something from them and that's i think the other thing that's a a misnomer anybody trying to get nothing like right. you're yeah. all out here trying to make a way and trying to see each other shine and so if, if you shine i shine Yes.
0: Basically. There you go. There you go. So thank you guys for that conversation. Um, I do think that it was rich and something that, you know, it has has been a part of uh, multiple conversations this week, but I just wanted to get your perspectives on it. Uh, we are going to switch into politics. I'll let Darren lead this conversation because he's our politics guy. But Darren, <laughs> and defunding the police has also been, a major topic this week and many people are confused by it, um, or at least have their own interpretations. But why do we, I think you brought up the question, why do we still need patrol officers to handle uh, social issues like rape or marital counseling? Like why why are police still on the streets responding to these issues? And how does defunding the police really address a lot of these social concerns that they're not able to
3: handle? Well, I mean, I guess, first, I guess to to clarify that defunding the police does not mean eliminate all police funding. Defund the police means that police will be funded and that police will not be overfunded. It means that we will redistribute the different budgets for the different municipalities or the cities where everyone gets a fair share. Defund the police because one police should focus on crimes and criminals. Defund the police because police are not mental health counselors. Defund the police because police are not social workers. Defund the police because police are not medical professionals. Defund the police because police are not education specialists. Mm-hmm. Defund the police because police should not be responsible for everything. Mm-hmm. Defund the police emphasizes reassessing our values, investing in our communities, investing in our people, funding our schools, funding our hospitals, funding our services, and funding our infrastructure. Hmm. Understand that presenting defunding the police as the same as eliminating all funding for police is intentionally misleading and manipulative. Hmm. And it avoids the real conversation, the fact that police across the country are bloated with their budgets, yes. two, they get extra funding from the war on drugs. So you yes. mean they get extra funding for military, uh, um, uh, for uh, military surplus items. That's mm-hmm. why you can see all these military. That's why they can tear gas you so fast. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to do. I mean, let's 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 really talk about that. Let's talk mm-hmm. about the fact that you know, all they need is 600 hours of training and a high school de- de- uh, degree. And you're expecting them to do the same job as other licensed clinical professionals who have hours upon hours over, over you know, in order to be, get, get a license for the LCSW for a social, you need 3,200 hours of training, not to mention the, the master's degree. So, which already means that you already got, got a bachelor's degree. So, you're talking about years and years of experience compared to what, 600 hours of training and, and how to use your gun?
1: So you say no BA is required.
3: No, no BA is required. Is required but LAPD, they want to pay them an extra $7,500 a year just for having a BA. So you tell me you have a BA in art history, like that's supposed to make you such a genius. Maybe, you know, maybe you could tell some graffiti writing or something. Does that mean that you can go in and you can actually, you know, you no, know because a lot of these cops, look, they're going in in these DV situations. You know, and like we were talking about earlier, you know, I, I had a friend, you know, we were talking about defunding the police. And, you know, he was like, well, what if, what if someone has been raped and uh, um, don't you need the police? I'm like, the hell is this, law and order? You know, like, like what? Like, like, I wish we could have Mariska Hardigay and Ice-T go out on the beat and, and figure this out and fast forward to a few months later and they successfully convicted the person and everything like that. But let's be real. Man, you really see how I'm looking at uniform you, right? patrol cops coming with two nine millimeter weapons to come and re-traumatize the survivor of this assault couldn't we have an emergency social worker or an emergency counselor come out to take a copious uh, okay. uh, notes about what happens as well as provide probably on-the-spot counseling for that person and then refer them immediately to other res- resources that they could obtain so that they could you know Hopefully that they could heal uh, from this event and they could get the information and collect it and give it just just like the cops would do submit that report in so that the detective can look for it and figure out who it was so they can bring that person to justice
0: Darren oh, Darren, I think wait, I think that you're bringing up a great point because I read I saw a post this week that said something about resident assistance in college. Have more training and are able to better de-escalate a situation than police officers. And weren't all that. right, Aaron. Huh? <laughs> weren't you a resident assistant?
3: Yeah, I'm a. Re- yeah. I was a two years was a residence assistant. I've been a. So a was I. Social worker for five years. So was I. You know, and it's just like. <laughs> But, so, you,
1: but you can and this fool mentioned ice tea though. He didn't mention a resident assistant. This fool with ice tea and whatever the girl's name is. Oh, I, I almost I almost unclicked and started to sing the theme song, Darren, because you was on number three, but she was on the wrong. You was sleeping Reverend Darren. <laughs> Darren was on the did They want to stop him. You sir.
4: oh but that's the thing the officers they're supposed to be trained to de-escalate these issues or these problems like why are you guys already guns drawn like and it's just you know, somebody that's outside their house minding their own business and or somebody walking down the street minding their own business, somebody driving in a car minding their own business, and they just want to come disrupt, like, I was telling y'all earlier, this, that whole experience could be traumatic to somebody. Somebody could freaking have a heart attack, like, because you out, you know,
1: ready to shoot them. Like, What? That's oh, just really? don't
3: make no sense. Have any of you had run-ins with the police? Yes. Mm-hmm. I got pulled over a week and a half ago in Culver City. They pulled me over, that, but it was partially it was my fault because my tags were expired. You <laughs> know why they pulled you? You already knew. Trust me, I feel and like my glasses, <laughs> sell, my glasses sell, My glasses fell, but I was shitting bricks, you guys. But it didn't seem like the two old cops. Like it seemed like they were like like you know like the volunteer officers out in of Gore City. Like they were just the weekend <laughs> patrols. <laughs> you know, so I was, like,
1: oh. I was like, "Hey, look, I got my tags. I
3: just need to put them on." And they were like, "Ah, okay, you know, bye." <laughs> but that was the last. That was the last. That was the last interaction that I've had. That was literally a week and a half ago. But um you know, other other times I remember like after, after, you know, remember I was in an incident when I was in, a, a, um, you know, um, shot at, you know, and I, I had friends who were shot, you know, in front of me and, and, you know, we're talking to the cops, you know, and the cops over here, they, they want to fill in stuff on the report. They're like, Oh, is you guys chilling up there having a few beers? I was like, no, we were walking to the gas station. We did <laughs> not have any beers on us. Yeah. So yeah, you guys are chilling around, hanging around, maybe had a few beers, smoking weed or something. I was like, Dude, we just told you we were just going to
1: the <laughs> yeah, station.
3: So, but it's wow. like, I don't know.
0: It, 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 you know. Well, Darren, I did want to bring up because you talked about the police unions yesterday, and I saw in the news um, not yesterday, but on the last episode, uh, you were talking about police unions. And yesterday, I saw on the news that one of the um, NYPD uh, police union commissioners was talking about how the protests are super violent. And how the citizens are creating a war. But really, it's actually the exact opposite. These police right. officers are creating a war and the protests are actually peaceful. Mm-hmm. So why why was he talking about citizens are creating a war? Like what is happening among the police unions where they need to create this narrative? That and, I, and we talked about this. We police, you are not at war with the citizens. So why are you creating this narrative, police union commissioner? That peaceful protests they're are a war.
3: That is what they do. They, they're trying to muddy. Devin, go go ahead, say it again.
0: I'm just
4: saying, like they just, um, they're just acting super defensive, like trying to, you know, act like you know their force is um warranted like what like yeah they're just trying to act like their their force is warranted i feel like they're like you said they're trying to change the narrative and trying to act like these protests and these riots these anarchists that are tr- that are provoking everything like they're just trying to you know hey shift the blame
3: like I said last week, those anarchists and those people starting up stuff, to me, they were paid. And some of them could have been police officers. They could have been white nationalists they were with, paid. with some covers over the, you know, with some uh, masks over their face. You know, they're used to that. Yeah. But, but, but but, but yeah, ahead, I mean, the police unions, they're, they're, they're making that narrative because they're trying to muddy the waters. Mm-hmm. You know, and you saw the LAPD, the LAPD uh, um, union leader uh, a few days ago, two days ago, was saying like, oh, you guys cut funding, uh, funding from us, then uh, call times are going to increase. You know, we're not going to have enough officers to respond to a situation. I mean, and that's to me, to me, that's the point. That's the point, like the point that I was making earlier. So yeah. why, why, why are you be having patrol officers? You know, get get some of these reports when you can have other trained staff go out and do that. I'm not saying that we don't need cops to respond to a bank heist, but don't sit up here and, and don't sit up here and have the same officer respond to this crisis. Uh, um, you know, for a survivor of rape, don't have that same officer go do patrol and pull somebody over for a traffic ticket. Don't have that same uh, officer go out and, and and you know, go beat some people up at the protest. Mm -hmm. which is what what they're doing. You know, so we need to rethink about how they even interact with us because right now it's too toxic. They're over-militarized and they get giddy when they can use force because there's no responsibility. There's no accountability. They beat somebody over the head, you know, and 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 they'll go and joke around uh, about it back at the station. They literally have people training them. They literally have people training them. I heard this in a commission meeting that that if they kill somebody they're going to have the best sex of their life that night.
1: Did you guys hear that the man who what? had his knee on George Floyd was his bail was posted by uh, like a hundred like a million dollars in fundraising like somebody fundraised like yes. fundraising. Yes to get him out of jail and to post his bail. Right? Like there's a system in place right yeah like, think about like you uh Daisy, you mentioned Harriet Tubman right like <clears throat> there was no way that these, these, think about it the white folks were pissed off that a five foot two black woman eluded them for years hmm. for years she eluded them like we can't be outsmarted by somebody we own right <gasps> So, of course, the narrative is she had to have somebody helping her, right? Besides the Lord. She had to have, you know, this, that, and the third. You have to have a different narrative to cover up your own issues, Mm -hmm. your own um, insecurities, your own shortcomings. It can't be about you. We just talked about it with performative, you know, allies. Mm -hmm. It can be me. So, if I'm, you know, I have to appear as though I'm woke, so, nobody really comes for me, and therefore, I don't really need to be woke. Yeah. You know? It's, that is what I think we are experiencing, is, like, there will always be a counter-narrative to the actual narrative to take us off the scent, right? Mm-hmm. Because we're, as people, we're like this. What? What? Flashing lights? Glitter? You know? And so, if we can... But we have to be really steadfast. And we I think you and I, Daisy, were talking about this. The last thing I'll say is we were talking about this before. Is like protest isn't just in the street.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Protest is with your money. It's with your mind. It's with being free here first. Absolutely. You have to be free here first. <laughs> and then you have to be free enough to want to hold your community down. Mm-hmm. Right? And then you have to be free enough to want to to only spend your money with folks who are economically for the solidarity and equity. I love what that one woman said. She said you lucky we just want equity and not revenge.
3: Yeah. <laughs> but, but that but that but that is but trust yeah. me, isn't that what, what most white people have feared the most Absolutely. since since Absolutely. the three fifths compromise? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Like, that's the Oklahoma. like right. That's, yeah. I mean, Who's seen that in a in a in a history book? Just showing. Who saw that? No. There's no nobody wants to raise your hand. Nobody.
3: nobody? <laughs> well, I learned about it. Okay. You know where nobody I learned about be? it. Look, to be truthfully, honest. Thankfully, you know, we had. Uh, I, I was exposed to email at the at a young age, but I got it because Granddaddy, our grandfather, sent me a chain letter. Mm. talking about the Tulsa massacre with a bunch of pictures in it. And, you know, it was all in big letters and comic sans and, you know, uh, all, all that, you know, how the chain letters used to be. But that was the first time I knew about they're it. Again. And I remember going to college, telling my friends about it, about Black Wall Street and stuff right. like that. And they were like,
1: huh, what are you talking about? Right. Mm-hmm. But it was the griot, right? It was the, it was the storyteller in the family that told yes. you this. Yeah. Like yeah. my mom was, like, I thought she was crazy but my mom was about that life, even though she moved us to the suburbs. So I couldn't watch TV during the week. She wasn't about that. And I remember she was, I was bringing home what I was learning at school and y'all are too, maybe too old to remember this, but Encyclop- Encyclopedia Britannica.
0: Yeah, we had those. We had
1: that, right. But it had this special series on black folks. So it's like black inventors, black kings and queens, black this, black that, like black. So she had bought the whole series. And after I was done with my homework, I was going to do my black homework. Mm. So second through, I think seventh grade, like Yolanda Holmes was not a game. She was not a joke. She wasn't playing with nobody. She was like, you can go and learn these white people stuff at the white people school. But when you come here home, you're going to know who the inventors Kings and Queens were. So I had to write a page as a second grader yes a full page as a second grader on whatever inventor I learned about because it wasn't going to happen at school and that's what I'm talking about about us like being community oriented to teach each other yeah
0: I think that that is a huge Mm -hmm. um wake-up call for a lot of us is to learn and to unlearn and Mm -hmm. to relearn and to unlearn again because There is always new information that we could get, but it's always, sometimes it's convoluted by what we received when we were younger or through elementary school. And just to revert it back to our conversation earlier um, regarding like white people and how they don't get it, it was infused in them when they were little, when they were children. Racism is not, you're not born a racist. It is, you are educated as a racist, or like as an implicit, and you implicit or explicit biases, like that is ingrained in you. It is something that you learn from like zero to seven years old. And you have no recollection of it, because your mind is still developing at that age. So you learn to be a racist when you're at the prime age of learning. So you have no idea where you got it from, you have to unlearn it. You have to relearn and know what your history is. So I'm glad that you brought that up. But to close out our politics um, section, Trump decided to have his rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma, as we just mentioned. It was the site of a black massacre in black Wall Street. He decided to have his uh, rally there on Juneteenth, which we all know is the um, day that slavery ended in America, Um, but also the day, you know, but he decided to have it in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where Black Wall Street and the massacre of hundreds of Black people happened. Do you know how insidious that is? I just wanted to bring that up because he only changed it, he only changed his mind because the Black people who support him came after him and was like, you must have lost your mind because you're gonna lose us too. He was about to lose the Black vote. Is what happened? Why like, he to the twentieth?
3: But I I don't see how some of them black people who do support him. I don't. I don't see why they still would. I mean, I but then you mean. again, you know, I'm just saying some of them are just are just like that, you know. And I, I would call them a derogatory term, but I'm going to save that with the doctor present here. But <laughs> <laughs> I know the term. I just don't. <laughs> <the term. laughs> you know but I mean yeah Uh, yeah anyway crazy I think it's just terrible
1: acknowledge this conversation because I refuse to acknowledge him so it
3: was funny so so he rescinded that but you know what's funny is that today's uh today is this guy's birthday and what I've been seeing on Twitter is that people are calling yeah they're calling it President Obama day today (laughs)
1: <laughs> i love it anderson, uh, okay, we're, anderson okay. posted five pictures it was the most it was the greatest thing like i was scrolling and it was like three people that you know i know personally and then anthony anderson and then three people i know personally and then another anderson, anthony and he was like i am going in i was like i love black people we have no chill and we give zero yes. right zero <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm a doctor, I'm going to act like one today. See Darren how I pulled that out. <laughs> oh, great, you might got that out though. <laughs> oh. Oh my God. All right,
0: you guys. Well, this has been a great Oliver happy hour. We like to end it with just a few um, last comments. Dr. B, thank you for joining us. Do you have any final words or any messages out to the people that you like to share?
1: Listen, thank you, Oliver's. I have loved your whole family before I ever met anybody except for Daisy because y'all just seem like the dopest family in the world. Like I, so thank you for having me on the Oliver Happy Hour. It has been my pleasure. Um, I would just end with the mantra that I shared. You know, let us hold each other down and lift each other up.
0: Thank you.
1: Great.
4: Dr. B, it was a pleasure. Okay. It was a pleasure to have you on. I I enjoyed you. I enjoyed your perspective, your um, expertise. Okay. We got a doctor on the show. Thank you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, but. Uh, i killing myself for the next 12 hours, and then I'm going like, to go to work and be
4: like, oh. <laughs> 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 no but I do like your mantra you know let's all hold each other down and lift each other up like that's I'm all for that I'm all for supporting the black entrepreneurs the black businesses like I feel like we should all come together stick together just how like the Jews do okay we need to freaking come together and have like this I don't know. We should just be together. <laughs> we should just come together. Like, I was trying to go somewhere with it, but I lost. But anyways. <laughs> I want everybody to just love each other. If you have to take a break from social media to have, you know, that mental break, please do so. Because it's, it's very, it could take you down. It could take you to dark places. So.
0: Thank you, everybody. Love that. all. Yeah, great, Darren. Darren.
3: Yeah, so um, I I think it's just important to keep your eyes open. All of this stuff is happening for a reason. I think you know, as a spiritual person, this is a part of. I I feel like this is a part of God's plan. He 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 shut us inside, got us all worked up and attentive, and then all this stuff is happening amongst us, and He continues to give us intuitive uh, uh, intuitive sense. As we begin to focus on Him, and, and 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 and, you know, as we begin to see this happen, like 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 you said, I love what you said, Doc. About uh, I hope you don't mind me saying Doc, but uh, but I love it. You know, we we do have to have to realize, uh, um, you know, some of these things and the things that are that are going on uh, uh, with us, and and how um, I was gonna make a point, but I I lost it. What I do want to say is that in the midst of us doing all this i did find the say her name project from the african-american policy forum which does list out in the last five years the black women who have perished at the hands of police officers Mm. and just to say a few of their names since we talked about a tatiana jefferson so i'm going to go back a tatiana jefferson from october 2019 pamela turner from may 2019 Mm. the cynthia clements from march 2018 Charlena Lyles from June 2017, Michelle Shirley from October 2016, Deborah Danner from October 2016, and Corinne Gaines from August 1st, 2016. So that that already, like, look at that. Those are already names just in the last four years, you know, uh, of people like you said that that unfortunately they've gone up under you know up under the rug while you know we've had other other people like. Like Stephon Clark or Alsa Sterling or, or Philando Castile, in the midst of even of their deaths in between, it's all these women that have perished, and we have to say their names too because it's all of us,
1: you and know, you not know, just one one is, or the other. That's powerful for a black man to say their names. Reverend Darren is what I'm gonna call you from now <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you saying yeah. black women's names with so much power and conviction. That's dope.
3: Yes. Yeah. Well, you said, you said it, and I was like, you know what? I need to look it up, because I had slipped on a Tatiana's name, and I was like, you know what? I, I can't. And then I was like, where is it at? Where is it at? I was trying to find it, because I saw these news articles that just talk about it, like, oh, well, they want black women to say that. I was like, no, where's the list? Wow. actually, if you guys go to the aapf.org, um, it's the African-American Policy Forum. They have their Say Your Name report. So check it out. I just yeah. found it right now.
1: Uh, Algorithms of Oppression by Sophia Noble, PhD. Uh, she's a professor at oh UCLA. She oh. talked about why it's so hard to find Black women's names. You know, so shout out to Sophia, my home girl. But you know, that's you'll be able to find out why it's hard to find that list in a book like hers.
0: Yes. Hmm. Thank you, Dr. Maisha B. Thank you so much for mentioning Dr. Sophia because yes. I was thinking about her and I want her to be a part of this uh next you know, one of the next episodes. She is our girl as well and a very dear friend and trusted mentor. And I just wanna say thank you so much for joining the Oliver Happy Hour and for your light and for your love. Um you have been a joy and I really do hope that as a guest that you come back because we do like to have (laughs) guests back and you are welcome to come and Anytime you want to join in the conversation, it's it's going to be an uplifting time. My final comments to you guys is just, you know, love is the end all, the, the most precious gift that God has given us to share with one another. I just pray that we continue to love each other, love each other through this movement, love each other um, through the pain of what we're going through right now and love each other Uh, as we continue to grow and become better uh, for a better society. So thank you for joining today. And I hope you all come back. We went live today for the first time on Facebook through Zoom. Um, So this is definitely something we'll be doing more often. But we're back on live on Facebook. So check us out next time and let us know if you have any questions. See you guys next time. Wait. Oh, Oh. Thank you, Devin. Proverbs. You know what? Proverbs three, five and six. Trust, Trust in in the Lord. Whatever you say.
4: And lean not on your own understanding. So in all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path.
0: Thank you. Bye, Bye everyone. Is yours, is mine. Only one at
4: a time.